When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, and a very warm welcome to another full-length episode of Wellness with Liz Earle. And today, I am delighted to be joined here in my wellbeing studios by clinical nutritionist and former chef, Emma Ellis Flint. She is the author of The Happy Hormone Cookbook and The Bone Broth Bible. Now, Emma runs her practice from the Stratford-upon-Avon Newson Health Menopause and Wellbeing Centre and is passionate about making a difference through food and nutrition. She helps those with a variety of conditions, but gut health and hormone health are two areas that remain close to her heart, passions that we absolutely share here at Lizelle Wellbeing. So welcome, Emma. Yes, thank you. Very very nice to have you here because I know I, I stalk you on Instagram a bit <laughs> and I love all your posts, particularly about gut health and yeah. menopause, which we'll come on to. But let's go back to the beginning. Where did your passion for nutrition start? Um, well, I think as a child growing up, I was always enjoyed watching my mum cook and things like that. Um, so I always had a very big interest in yeah. in food from that perspective. But when I did, I did um, a hotel and catering um, course in London when I left school. Oh, so did I. Where did you go? Oh, at Ealing College. Oh, I was at Westminster. Oh, yeah, yeah that's the competitor one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I did that HND in hotel catering yep, and institutional yep. management. Fantastic. And as part of that, it must have been the same for you. As part of that, each week, anyway, on my course, we had to do um, a, like. Um, work with the chefs and learn to yeah. learn the chefing skills. Yeah, absolutely. I loved my course. Yes. Everything from sort of, you know, knife skills to yes. wine appreciation yes. to, you know, cordon bleu, as yeah. you say. I mean, yeah. amazing. And I and that was, funny enough, it turned out that was my most favourite subject yeah. out of everything, not quantitative business analysis. Funny but, that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and things like that. And so I just adored it. Um, when I qualified, I was a young adult and I went on holiday to Australia and liked it so much, I stayed. And so there I was with this qualification. And I imagined I'd put on glamorous business suits and go and work in marketing in hotels, which I did for a very short amount of time, but found it not just not my thing. Yeah. And so I found this chef, this actually... Um, incredible chef who had a Michelin star but he was working out in Australia and I joined up with him and worked in his kitchen and it with the rest is history I mean I just enjoyed it so you it became immensely. a chef from I from became that. a Did chef you? 
Yes. And specialising in any particular area? Well, we were doing that really high-end um, catering and um, high-end food. Fantastic. So lovely, lovely, beautifully rare roast beef with a real homemade, like natural-made jus. Yeah. You know, mm. where you make the bone broth and then you reduce ah, it down. Ah, yes, bone broth. We'll yeah, talk anyway. about that. <laughs> Later, yeah. <laughs> um, and, it was, and he was the most amazing um, mentor. And, and I just kept kept going in that and it morphed when I had oh, children yeah. and but my passion came from the food that was available in Australia mm. and from this this chef that I worked with yeah. and then when did you come back to the UK uh at Christmas time last year oh so really recent yeah oh yes I've only moved back oh, to the UK goodness. so I spent 30 odd years in of my adult of my life yeah. in Australia and then what retrained in nutrition yes yeah, so about 10 years ago I realized I just couldn't stand up in the kitchens or all my life yeah. it's physically really demanding even though I had changed my work to be um a daytime during the week time kind of catering work much more much more user-friendly sure. the children around so I thought well, what am I going to do and at the time I was looking into my own health and my own gut health especially and mm. not feeling very energetic and thinking well, what's going on and having sort of bouts of either diarrhea or constipation bloats that sort of thing right so I was looking into that and I became very interested in nutrition and healing myself up yeah. this is I think is a story you might have heard yeah. many times it's often a personal journey isn't it isn't it it's yeah. like my work with perimenopause and menopause and hormone right. health and mm. obviously I've written about gut health so and we have mm. you know just so many mm. common you know overlaps there yes so from your personal journey you then decided what so to then train I in decided nutrition. yes I went mm. back to study a, I did a degree in nutrition so for three years I did it full time wow that's quite full on how old were you when you decided oh, to yes, go back well, into education I was you know early, well, in, in, your in 40s. my 40s early 40s really? and I was to be honest I was terrified yeah, I thought off. I'm way too old to learn again and that's that was completely my thinking which was very is embarrassing to say but it was yeah. and I got into the class and I saw the people there and I just realized I I could do this I could mm. learn this and mm. biochemistry anatomy and physiology fascinating oh my gosh I was terrified at first but it, I picked it up learned yeah. it found gosh, it gosh so you've got all these amazing skills so you came back to the UK yes. and now I know you work with my lovely friend, Dr. Yeah. Louise Newson. How yeah. did you connect with her? Well, it was a patient of hers who was a good friend of mine from school days in England said, oh, you must meet this doctor. She's amazing. Mm. Um, and I literally contacted, I emailed the clinic. This was about oh, a year and a half ago. And I emailed the clinic and I said to them, I'd really like to meet Louise and perhaps work in your clinic as a nutritionist. This is who I am. This is what I do. And bless them, they did give me the opportunity. And I met with one of Louise's uh, members of staff. Yeah, wonderful. And we had a good chat. And so it went on and then Louise finally met me. Yeah. And I said, I love what you do. This is mm. what I do. I mm. think the synergy is... Is oh, completely. Because your book, The Happy Hormone Cookbook, when did that come out? I mean, I'm looking at it that here. It actually absolutely came useful. up about three years ago. Right, so you're already involved in the right, work. Right, so of I was hormones. working then as a nutritionist in clinic, in uh, a clinic headed up by actually a gynecologist, um, and seeing women walk into my clinic just desperate for help. Yeah. And yeah. I would, and this is how this The Happy Hormone Cookbook came about. It's a really lovely book. 
absolutely love it. Thank you. Can you get it over here? Is it an Australian one? You, you can you definitely get it, get it over here. Beautiful. Yep, most definitely. Really nice. So tell us about then your, your kind of your work now, because you're working a lot, obviously, in the menopause clinic. So presumably you're seeing a lot of midlife women. Yes. How does nutrition play into that? What do you bring to the, the table, literally? <laughs> <laughs> I see these women that have lost their way quite a lot don't just ha have uh, they obviously are seeing people like Louise Newson uh, and the fabulous GPs in that clinic and they might well have gone on to body identical HRT so they're in their life is improving anyway which is fabulous but they still lost their way and they've and they just don't quite know what to do and they might have put on weight and they've suddenly lost their joy in life now yes the HRT is helping a lot for sure but they walk into my, my clinic room and they say, well, I don't know what to do, Emma. I've put on weight. I don't seem to even have an appetite sometimes. I've just, everything seems to be not quite together. Yeah. And so it's quite individual. I just educate them in what would be best for them right mm -hmm. then and there to bring about that, that mm. healing process. And do them. you have sort of common threads that run through everybody? I know everybody's an individual and different, but are there sort of basic parameters that you say, right, okay, these are the kind of the top five things I would always say as a starting point? Yes, there are. There are. I mean, it depends on their blood glucose meta metabolism and right. how they manage it and yes. things like that, or whether, in fact, they want weight loss or not. But, th but within that, yes, there are. I always um, talk to them about putting plants as in, uh, vegetables first like mm. absolutely I think that our, our upbringing possibly in the UK and Australia say which I'm familiar with is where we might think of an evening meal and we might think of oh now what protein should we have with that that's true yeah our are we thought, going to have chicken or fish have chicken or beef or, or, or right. cheese or you know whatever it right. is or, or eggs or whatever or, yeah and I say to them, no, 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 think about this. Now, what vegetables am I going to have tonight? That's a great mind shift, isn't yeah, it? Huge. What veg am I going to have? And then yeah. what am I going to have that goes alongside that? That's right. Mm. So we talk about that. And then I explain to them about why vegetables are so important for their overall health, well-being, mental health, gut health, things like yeah. that, which yeah. we can go into more yes. if you want. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Um, so I talk through that. And then I also talk to them about legumes and pulses, nuts and seeds. Individual as well, because some people can't, for instance, tolerate many legumes, pulses, beans. Yeah, it can cause bloating. It can absolutely it? cause mm. bloating, um, really upset the gastrointestinal tract initially. Yeah. Um, so do you advise of starting slowly? Oh, extremely. Rather than just going straight in and going, right, I'm going to have chickpeas, followed by cannelli beans, followed by kidney beans and Yes, very much so. And, and just actually have a little bit. Always start with lentils. Really? Yes, and mm -hmm. always start with, preferably, I know it sounds funny, but canned lentils. Really? Why so is that's that? to do with the low FODMAPs diet. Fermentable sugars, isn't it, that, that can yes. cause and when you say sugars, bloating. That, it's not nothing to do with table sugar no. it's actually um like simple carbohydrates or the way carbohydrates these different fermentable carbohydrates yeah. in the gut in different foods and the way they ferment in the gut and there are different ones and they ferment differently and they're from different foods foods you wouldn't assume to be together it's not intuitive no because it's, it's things not. like garlic so there might know, be garlic that, that and onions, that. right? But then it might be also um, asparagus or it might be avocado. Really? Um, yes, so it's that. not intuitive. And yes, it's things mm. like um, da dairy, lactose, the lactose and dairy is mm. one of those fermentables. Um, then it might also be, for instance, gluten um, and one of those fermentables. Not always. Yeah. And people are different. But I don't do this with everybody. Yes. But going back to why I raised it is because in the... 
um, low FODMAPs diet, the investigators or the researchers at Monash University who first sort of coined the term mm. um, and, and looked at the way these fermented in your gut, the, all these different vegetables and plant foods and things like that and um, dairy foods. And they found that, for instance, when it came to the beans, legumes, pulses category, they found that the least fermentable, i.e. the least um, to give you problems, mm. was canned lentils. Excellent. So that's why I start so start with those. That's a really lentils. good tip. Yeah. And presumably low sugar. Do you go sort of low GI as a as a generation? Very much so. Always. Sort of general rule, rather. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Low GI. So if you someone is putting, therefore, mentally putting the plants first in mm -hmm. there, what they put on the table to eat, lunch mm. or dinner or even breakfast, then they're going to be going low GI anyway, without even having yeah. trying to think about it. Yeah, yeah. And. Um, and then they can just bring in their protein in any way from there. Mm -hmm. um, and that's all going to help with, you know, hormone health and gut health. And, extremely. And, and then weight loss would potentially follow from that? Yes, it would. So once again, this is quite individual, mm -hmm. um, depending on what that person's going on for that person. Mm. So when in clinic, uh, I spend an hour with someone and I really talk to them about what's going on for them, both physically you know in their gut and in their body but also emotionally and what's going on for them in their day-to-day -day life and we bring it together and people find it fascinating to talk about themselves yeah. and they almost come to the conclusion themselves what they need to do yeah. by having that time to talk about it yeah. um part of my degree was learning doing many um psychotherapy courses within modules within the degree isn't that interesting so you've got to understand the person's emotions and mind in this and as well. so wrapped up in food oh, so yeah. often isn't yeah. it yeah everything from addictive behavior to comfort mm. eating yes. to to not eating yeah. to, to, to making the wrong choices that yes. we know anyway we, but we still know do it, it. We, mm. we we as women we actually know it mm -hmm. we know what we're doing wrong we know it but we still do it. Yeah. And so it's just a reflection <laughs> on that and helping them to reflect back into themselves about yeah. what's going on. We've jumped all over the place, haven't we? we? Have. Oh so my I'm, gosh. I'm going to bring us back to hormones. <laughs> yes. And obviously you're working at the moment in, in a hormone clinic. So why is it that, what's the kind of the biochemistry surrounding why women are so much more likely to put on weight from perimenopause onwards? Okay. This kind of middle-aged spread that's a real thing, yes. isn't it? Yes, it's 100% a real thing. And 100% it is affected by oestrogen. So it, there are oestrogen receptors in um, all over our body. There's oestrogen receptors in our liver, in our pancreas. There are oestrogen receptors in our brains. And in especially there's a gland in our brains called the hypothalamus. And um, that hypothalamus gland affects our metabolism and it affects just the action of our gut even the peristalsis which is the the movement of food through our gut um and that's sorry hormones within the hypothalamus mm. and the estrogen receptors in that gland oh my goodness you see yes i know i mean i i talk about there being estrogen receptors all over the body and i often talk about brain in terms of low mood and anxiety i talk about um, estrogen receptors obviously in the pelvic area and the vagina and utis and all that kind of thing and and in our bones for achy joints but i mean you emma you've just throw me there you're taking it on a whole other level by saying <laughs> flipping heck we've got eastern receptors in our hypothalamus yes 
controlling our gut and our peristalsis. I mean, really, yes. where does it end? No, I know. Where does it end? <laughs> and that's why men have um, estrogen as well. So um, because obviously it's controlling this for them as well. But going back to women, so women, so that's why estrogen is so fabulous for us. Yeah. Um, it, in in uh, premenopausal sort of our, our kind of yeah. fertile years, I guess you'd say, um, because it's helping us with our body. Uh, weight and our metabolism so so it, it's helping control metabolism so Is that you know one that's how much we burn our to fat. do with weight okay uh, well not uh, how much we burn up our food mm -hmm. and use yeah. it our utilization of it ignoring even that there's estrogen receptors in the pancreas which determines um is the organ that makes our insulin um, but right. that's, so part, that's that for even for a moment. Okay, but I'd like so, to come back to that, so yes. let's hold that thought. Um, mm -hmm. So we have this estrogen receptors then in our hypothalamus, and hypothalamus is producing hormones that um, talk, talk to the gut a lot and um, produce uh, hormones that dictate, yes, how we utilise um, our energy, I suppose, from our food and how... Wow. how, how um, uh, we've talked about metabolic rate. You know yes, how women yes. say, oh, I hate her. She has such a fast metabolic rate. Yes. And things like that. Now, that is dictated to a bit by our thyroid glands, mm -hmm. but also our hypothalamus is involved in that. So going back to why you said a woman that's in perimenopause and menopause, and she does put on weight mm. because estrogen is lower. So the receptors for the estrogen are not having the ding, ding, the pings. Yes. Telling it to then communicate to the gut and things like that to um to stimulate the digestion yeah. stimulate your metabolism and that sort of thing i also heard that estrogen is responsible for the distribution of fat and that we yes. tend to when we lack estrogen we tend to pile it on around the middle correct so we become you know perhaps more apple shaped rather than pear shaped yes. and it's this fat distribution that causes us to lose our waistline to get that in you know, that awful kind of muffin top expression mm. um, or the middle age spread. And that's why, particularly when you start taking replacement estrogens, HRT, you can mm. actually get your waistline back because your distribution of fat is, is changing, reverting back to a, a more youthful distribution. Absolutely. And also potentially why HRT, it may be one of the reasons why it's so helpful in reducing the risk for heart disease, because we know that piling on weight around our middles is linked to a higher risk of coronary heart disease. That's correct. Great. I can just go away now. Oh, well, I'm glad that you agree with that because I, I, you know, that was from my research, yes. but I hadn't made that extra That's connection correct. with that the That's correct. adipose tissue, that brown adipose tissue, which is this around the middle mm -hmm. kind of fat, yeah. um, which is so detrimental, like you mentioned, um, is actually, fun enough, actually um, has a like this metabolic effect that it produces sort of like inflammatory cytokines and things mm. like that. And, and so inflammation is such a driver of many of these things like cardiovascular disease and right. even cancers as well. And it's a really, really bad fat to have. And we're lucky when we have lots of estrogen naturally in our body, in our fertile years, mm. that's where we've, we might have fat, it might have it, say, on our bottom, on our legs. Mm. And that actually is great fat. It doesn't matter. I mean, I know a lot of women don't want okay. it. But that's because the, the goodish type of fat. Absolutely. It's, got, yeah. it's not detrimental to our health whatsoever. And it's the brown fat then? Yes, this adipose, this, 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 um, this central, yeah. you know, fat um, round the middle. It is fascinating, isn't it, that not all fat is equal? Not at all. You know, just like we know now that not all calories are equal. Yeah. I often get comments on my Instagram of people saying, oh, that's a nice recipe, you know, how many calories is it? I said, well, mm. actually, I don't count calories because yeah. I, I think that's, you know, it's a scientific 
you know misnomer that, mm. that we've kind of been fed this line that we need to count calories but mm. they don't behave the same way do they mm. in the body always mm. absolutely that's correct so let's come yeah. back to insulin so you mentioned that we have these estrogen receptors in our pancreas and yes. that's obviously regulating the, the yes. control of, es- of insulin is that why replacing estrogen can be helpful with warding off type 2 diabetes do you think yes that's right so how is yeah. that how is that working then? So the the estrogen is being produced within the pancreas, is it? Yes. So no. Sorry, Sorry. not not not, not being produced estrogen. in the in So the there pancreas are estrogen receptors. Yes, there yes. are receptors in there. Different. Okay. There, is, there aren't just there isn't just one type of estrogen receptor around our body. There are actually many types. And in the pancreas, which the pancreas produces insulin, yeah. there are estrogen receptors, and those estrogen receptors help um, our pancreas to be. Um, so I call it pinging to be mm-hmm. sort of um, told to um, make more insulin, right? To, um, to, to fire it off, and, to fire and it off, and um, it just makes it easier, I suppose okay. you could almost say, for our pancreas to produce insulin. I mean, there's so many factors involved in this sure. insulin and pancreas and type two diabetes. This yeah. is only one of many. Yes, but yes. It, yes, it does. It affects that very much. So, so yes. there's this correlation yeah. with um, type two diabetes and low estrogen states. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. So writing about hormones as you do, can we top up and significantly influence our estrogen levels by eating phytoestrogens or the naturally occurring estrogens in foods like soya, for example? Yes. So, yes, we can. Uh, it's not as strong as body identical hormones, which I'm a big fan of. Yeah. Um, but yes, you can. So phytoestrogens, first of all, phytoestrogens aren't just in soy, which most most people think, oh, 
soy, phytoestrogens. Actually, yeah. phytoestrogens are in vegetables. They're in legumes, pulses, beans. They're in all nuts of them. And seeds. Or are there particular ones we should choose? Well, they're they're just in various levels in them. Mm-hmm. So, so things like flaxseed, I've heard, is absolutely flaxseed is a mar- flaxseed linseed, same mm-hmm. thing, different name. There, that's a very good one um, that has phytoestrogens in it. Don't them. you have to crush it though to release the, the good? Yes. Fats? So yes, you must absolutely. So in okay, let's pull back on that one okay. because actually, um, flaxseeds are quite heat sensitive so um the best way to ha- have flaxseed meal in your house or flax seeds in your house if you can really be bothered is to buy it whole mm-hmm. store it in the fridge or the freezer oh, really and grind it up may- maybe only a week's worth of ground up okay so you, you can use like a little hand coffee grinder can't yes. you yes or, that, that, that or really one of those well, high speed quantities. blenders i'm yeah. not going to name brands but okay you know. yeah um and that's really the best way. Or mm. if you have ready ground flaxseed meal, mm-hmm. as they call it, then store it in the fridge or the freezer because it's highly sensitive to yes. light and warmth and it can go rancid really fast. Because it's full of good fats. So Absolutely. that's why presumably it's going to and be. And it's a lot less stable than things like um, vegetable oils. Right. So, um, although they're not that stable as we all think but mm. flaxseed is absolutely brilliant and yes it's high in phytoestrogen as well not quite as much as soy yeah um and by the way rancid fats of nuts and seeds you know when you smell mm. a nut or a seed or even eat it you think mm. yeah. it, it's not it's just not that pleasant I can't really describe it any further, but you know yeah. either the smell. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's actually carcinogenic. Right. Mm, great, isn't it? No, really careful. I mean, I know yeah. that we, you, you've got to be very careful with things like old peanuts for an aflatoxins yeah. that you can get in some of yeah, the older nuts. Yeah, different again. Right, nuts, but... let's go back to phytoestrogens. Yeah. So, phytoestrogens are many, many foods. So, this is how phytoestrogens affect our body. We eat them in varying quantities and types almost. There's lots of different types. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so obviously it's ingested, it's gone into uh, our gastrointestinal tract, absorbed through the, the the barrier of our gastrointestinal tract, gets to the liver, gets circulating in our bloodstream, and goes around the blood and goes to eastern receptors around our body, as we've just set, mm-hmm. now know there's many yeah, everywhere. Yeah. Um, and um, and they there's not you know there might not be a lot of phytoestrogens knocking around the body, but they're there. They're quite a lot weaker than our, than our own estrogen, yeah. or quite a lot weaker than body identical estrogen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, however, they're there and they attach to estrogen receptors and they produce that effect, that ping, like I'm talking about that ping. Mm. And it's it's the pinging of an estrogen receptor that sets off all these lovely cascading. I love that of, analogy. We've got to keep on pinging. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> We really do. Keep Think them, of vitality. In yeah, pinging. it's great. It's a great word. You know, you, you can't fail but be energised by the word ping. No, no, and you can't fail when our estrogen receptors get pinged. Yeah. We can't fail not to be a little bit more vital from where I we did were. hear, though, that not all of us are able to convert phytoestrogens in food into the the estrogen that we need within the body. That's just from soy. Oh, is it just uh, from yeah, soy? Yeah, that's just from soy. Okay. And you're absolutely right. There are certain enzymes in our gut that help us absorb those phytoestrogens from soy or not absorb them. Um, so they've got the, they're weak. So but, is that why soy might not be so good? Yeah, then? for um, some and, people and, for some and people. better for others, yes. And of course, you can't really tell, can you? No, you can't. And it's actually also confounded scientists. That's why it's never sometimes never that clear when they've done human studies yeah. that phytoestrogens are being that effective. Um, right. And in some cultures, like for instance, I think um, in the Japanese culture, a lot of the the um, people, the humans, like the people mm. in those mm. cultures, um, have more of this enzyme that can um, 
absorb or, right. or break down the phytoestrogens in the soy and, and utilize it better which is why a lot of <clears throat> japanese women who are eating a lot of soy are better protected right. perhaps from some of the menopausal symptoms right but that doesn't necessarily mean that we here in the western world will get that same benefit yes. because our you know the way that we've evolved or our digestive tract has, yes. has been you know adapted over the years is not going to have that that necessarily enzymatic process that that's does exactly it. that's right yes oh but it gosh. is a benefit yeah. and i always think it's great to do it synergistically mm -hmm. i like to, people to get the phytoestrogens just as much as they might mm. be getting say the body identical yeah. hrt i yeah. think it's great to bring it in and yeah. there are some women that um I, I just need that phytoestrogens as well through the food mm, to kind of bring about oh um, no it's not different effects in their body but just yeah well you certainly inspired me to, to get out my flax seeds and yeah and grind them up again and, yeah. and start sprinkling them onto things definitely yeah. and to keep them in the fridge that's a really good fridge or freezer absolutely mm. yeah. and of course let's just clarify here when you talk about body identical estrogen we're talking about the regulated yes hrt that comes from wild yams yes so it's coming yes. back isn't it from, yeah. from a phytoestrogen to start with with. and this is the kind that you can get from your nhs gp or your doctor or your menopause specialist so body identical it's the regulated gels and patches we're not talking about compounded no, yeah. bio-identical malarkeys which we've talked about at length <laughs> and are not a fan of obviously and um, so we are talking about that regulated safe use of, of estrogen yeah it's important to have it regulated yeah. exactly yes Absolutely. that's exactly what i'm talking about yeah, yeah. excellent yeah excellent yeah. so we're totally on the, yeah. on the same page coming on to other strategies that you might want to talk about or recommend perhaps in midlife what are your views on things like intermittent fasting that okay. we hear so much about so i think it's absolutely fabulous oh good yeah. you can stay <laughs> so do i <laughs> but there's many ways of doing it yeah so so what ways do you prefer um so i think um the one that we all know about because of the tv shows has been the 52 or that's there are many other words for it yeah. where people reduce their calories a couple of days a week to very low and eat just normally other days. So normally for five days and then two days. Yes. Super and stringent. Well, it's yes. something like 200 calories or something. It's ridiculous. 500, 500 actually. Yeah. From women, 600 for men. Right. Okay. That's great. That's really effective. It does, it mm -hmm. does produce um, many benefits. Let's pull back a second. Uh, intermittent fasting or fasting of different ways does have great effects on our body. It does produce weight loss if someone wants weight loss. Um, it does help it seems to, in research, help with like, like these longevity things. So it seems to help with those diseases of ageing. seems to help with mental clarity and reduced incidence of dementia. It, it seems to appear to Amazing. help. I know, yeah. right? Love that. It seems to help with um, cardiovascular disease, type 2 di diabetes. Um, these, I think, I call them diseases of ageing, but sure. some, and other things. And, and individual, once again... It, how it affects people but mm. a lot of people do find that somehow clearer in the head yeah. when they do it so i'm a big fan of it and is it about resting the digestive system so partly so time? if you think about the five two that's actually not resting the digestive system no. but it is definitely resting it in part mm. because it's reducing down the calories so yes definitely so then there's other ways of doing it. There's one that's coined 16-8. Um, that's the one I tend to do. Yes. So that's where for 16 hours in a 24-hour period, you don't eat. And if you're drinking, it's water, herbal teas, black tea, black coffee, but no milk, for instance. Um, Why is that? Because you digest the milk sugars? Because you start the digestion. Yeah, right. And so you're well and truly resting your digestive system there. And 
that's great for many of the organs actually associated mm. with digestion, like your liver and your pancreas, mm. as well as your gut. And then those um, uh, beneficial microbes that actually like it when you've got no food in there, Cut, yeah. kind of in a sense, come out and do the spring clean. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I read uh, in my research that it's the acamansia form of um, gut microbes, which are helping to control and regulate weight and perhaps might be involved in keeping us slim. Yep which need to have that resting process they yeah. they are more prolific when we're asleep when we're fasting in that fasting state so if we want to encourage them then that's why we need to have that you know prolonged gap yes to en enable them to proliferate and, and do their good work yes that's exactly right and and many studies on this finding that perhaps um people that are obese have less acromancils than mm. those that aren't why is that? Not sure. But yes, there's also other studies on fasting, finding that that encouraged the Ackerman. Ach I never pronounce it properly. You probably pronounce it better I than me. I don't know. Um, that come out and they, they, mm. they flourish in that situation. Mm. Um, the minimum, I think, is that's healthy for anyone, anyway, that they're doing this kind of 60 and 8 thing, mm. um, is having a 12-hour gap. I was going to say, I often don't actually get the whole 16-8. No, yeah. But I've found that just by avoiding breakfast... Okay. You know, getting up and, and we're so conditioned in this culture, aren't we? We've got to have a good breakfast, yeah. you know, get up. I mean, frankly, why? We, you know, we went to bed probably with a full tummy. Yeah. Not done much overnight. And, yeah. you know, why on earth are you starving hungry to have a, a great big breakfast? Mm -hmm. So I actually get up and try and do a, a run or a walk or, or get a bit of kind of exercise in in a relative fasted state. And then might have my first bite of something around kind of 11 o'clock. And I've genuinely found that I feel so much better for that. Yes, absolutely. And then other people do at the other end of the day. They Because they, they love breakfast, but they're not right, got but much. They, won't they don't want dinner particularly. Or, or, or they might, yes. And um, some people say they sleep better because of that. Mm. Um, but it, everyone's different. Everyone's mm -hmm. individual. You find what suits you best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now let's talk about bones, because obviously bone health is a is a key important area of nutrition, especially mm. for midlife women and beyond. Mm. Does that come into your consultations when you're talking yes. to women about food? What, yes. What, what's your advice there? Yes. So it's not all about calcium, although that is important mineral. Definitely, one thousand two hundred milligrams of calcium per day we're meant to have once we're in menopause, um, or once we're it? in kind of that age group anyway beyond. Sure. 50 say um but yes it's not all about calcium because calcium in the body is used actually as a buffer um in the blood for instance um and it's used um it, it just many ways in 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 our bodies and and so the point is you've got to look up hang on a second so let's look at osteoporosis or osteopenia which is mm. what happens prior to osteoporosis well why is the calcium going out of that, um, often women, but even yeah, men. why are we losing boat. it? Why are we losing it? Yeah. And maybe that woman or man, for instance, is eating enough calcium in the day. So yeah. why on what's going on? So it's so complex. So first of all, it might be, well, is your gut functioning well? Is it absorbing the calcium that you're okay. giving it? Um, and that's one thing. Um, and, and that's a little bit complex in mm. itself. Then... Are, is is your body pulling the calcium out of your bones because it's not got, say, enough calcium in the diet or it's not absorbing it properly and it needs to use the calcium almost like as a buffer around the body. Like, for instance, it's a pH buffer in the blood. Right. That's quite scary, isn't it, that if we're not eating enough calcium... The body needs it for this other blood buffering function and therefore it will pull it out of our bones yes. to get it. I oh, mean, whoa, yes. that is a bit of a wake up, isn't it? To yes. make sure that you're getting your 1200 micrograms yes. a day. 
every uh, milligrams, day. Milligrams yes. every day. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So, yeah, so... Um, As a note to self, I'm just yeah. making, filing that away from myself. <laughs> but the thing is, we don't all want to be sort of having one of those sort of um, food apps on our phone. Well, we can if we want to, but having one of those food mm. apps, I'm working out the no, no, 1,200 day. Yeah, living... Um, but it's about sensibly. understanding where's calcium in our on, okay. in our in what we eat um so yes there's calcium in dairy mm -hmm. fabulous source of calcium mm -hmm. um but a lot of people may not be able to tolerate mm -hmm. dairy or certainly might not be able to tolerate unfermented dairy mm -hmm. um and so they may not find it agrees with them so much um so there's calcium in bones of fish which is great yes. really great very bioavailable form of calcium actually yeah, so sardines and pilchards and yes all that so tin, kind of thing. tin yeah, those tinned. really sustainable fish yeah, as well yeah, so there's small ones. fish Mm -hmm. which of course are high in omega-3 fatty right. acids as well yeah. um so that's a great you know eating those bones in say tin fish fabulous mm. um but there's calcium in nuts and seeds mm -hmm. in mo almost all nuts and seeds yeah. obviously it's higher in for instance sesame seeds Is we it? understand that um because we often talked about tahini being a great source of calcium mm -hmm. it's not as high as in the bones of fish or in, in mm. dairy but it's still there so things like hummus which you might make with tahini yes would be a good source so so there's calcium in chickpeas as well ah, so you see you've oh, got great. the double whammy yeah perfect yeah. um there's also calcium in onions um or garlic um really? so you see not in big quantities but sure. what i mean is it all comes together yeah, do you yeah, see yeah. i tell you what's of really high in in proportion terms um if you were looking at gram for gram the high one of the highest sources of calcium is um herbs and spices believe it or not but we don't eat a lot of herbs no, and spices you're to me. So... but they are really high mm. in calcium but if you're kind of actively using herbs and spices which are also a fabulous source of phytonutrients they're stimulating to the digestion etc yeah. etc et so you're bringing in extra calcium so mm. and, and there's calcium in vegetables cabbage is fabulous and what do you need to eat with calcium is it the vitamin d3 and the magnesium do they kind of work together not when you're eating particularly um but yes in the boat when you're putting your bone health mm. magnesium minerals used vitamin d3 is used yeah. um vitamin k is used um and and so you your body will absorb that from the foods it's mm -hmm. eating things like that um Vitamin K, sometimes a bit difficult to get. Is that in cabbage? Dark that, cabbage and um, kale? Or? A little bit. It's in eggs, a little bit. It's, I'll tell you what it is in. Mm. It's not common in the UK, but everyone listening, seek this out. If you okay. good on fermented foods, it's in natto. And natto mm. is fermented natto. soya beans. How do you spell that? Okay, N-A-T-T-O. Natto. It's okay. a Japanese fermented soya bean. Now, it's fabulous. It's, it's a fabulous thing. Now, it's... It's in the free, believe it or not, it's a, it's a live fermented food, but it's in the freezer section of like Asian supermarkets or Japanese stores. But it, when you defrost it, it still has the active uh, bacteria really? in it that affects oh, your so gut. I'm seek that out. How would you use it? How would you cook right, with it? Right, well, let me just tell you, first of all, it's mm. disgusting. Oh, thanks. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I actually often tease my friends and for my fermented food masterclasses I bring some along and I say try this oh, and no. literally and it 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 doesn't taste that nice mm. but it's brilliant so you just kind of you just eat it in in Japan or just a spoonful of it uh, yeah just a teaspoon of it's plenty just, just because it's good for you yeah it's incredibly okay. good as a fermented food very good for your gut it's obviously a phytoestrogen um, so it's mm -hmm. from soy um, so oh gosh we're going all over the place so buy genetically modified free yes. natto and soy products I yes anyway definitely um, 
and um, but it oh, and it has things like natto kinase in, which is one of the good bacteria in it, which actually is great for cardiovascular disease. Oh, I can but feel a whole feature on that. Getting coming on yes, here. getting <laughs> to the point where I raised it about bone health uh, yes. is. Oh, actually, soybeans have yeah. calcium in them. But the reason I mentioned it is. Um, it has this vitamin K in it, mm. and it has it in really good quantities. Really? And it's one of the few foods, actually, we could eat that um, has the vitamin K in it. Yeah. Otherwise, you need to take it as a supplement. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. You mentioned fish bones, um, just kind of looping back onto that. I know that you've written a whole book about bone broth. Mm. Mm. What triggered you in, into doing that? What was your fascination with bone broth? Because I'm, I'm a fan of bone broth, and yes. I've written about it as well, but I'd love to hear about your journey. Well, I wanted to inspire people to do it because I've, uh, first of all, I love this nose to tail. If you, if you're not, mm. if you are eating an animal or, or, or seafood, I mean, like fish, then I think it's important to use the whole, uh, the whole animal. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the bones are a great resource. Mm. Um, so you make a bone broth a long, long, long slow cooked like stock effectively for a long time that's going back to your chefing days isn't exactly. it? exactly you know yeah. having a stock on the stove that's there for like two or three days yes exactly um and you draw out the nutrients out of it this mostly it's about the collagen and um mm. and, and the amino acids that mm -hmm. are particularly good for the cells like to um um, feed the cells lining our gut, the lining, the, the wall of our gut and we want to feed them up and nourish them now Obviously, obviously, sorry, I'm, this is what I know, but it's not yeah. obvious to everybody. Yeah. Sorry about that. Um, there are many of the a good microbiome bacteria that are also nourishing this, the wall, the cells in our gut. But so is the, the nutrients in bone broth. So it's very nourishing. Mm. And those amino acids that are drawn out of the bones and the collagen and the sinew around the bones. Yeah. Also, they're actually great for, for instance, um, the cells the type of cells we have in our skin and the elastin of our skin yeah, yeah. um and and so it works but if you imagine what's on our outside and obviously for vanity we we're quite interested in that but think about all those um linings those like skin type linings inside our body every organ has a lining to it um so not just the gastrointestinal tract, the li there's a lining around the pancreas and the liver. We all have these linings um, around our organs and they're also fed by these types of amino acids and nutrients. And we want to, oh, even um, uh, the walls of our, our arteries also are benefited by this. Wow. Do you know, Emma, I am so inspired listening <laughs> to you because a lot of this, you know, I know and I'm sure a lot of our listeners know. But just to be reminded of it, and mm. and I am like, yes, of course, you know, I've, I've, I've written about bone broth, I haven't actually made any for a while, why is that? I don't know, I got out of the habit, let's go back and do it, you know, this weekend, I'm going to go, right, okay, let's get the bones out, let's, you know, let's make some... Looking at my calcium levels, I'm going to be really monitoring that. I might actually yeah. do a little experiment where I just gauge what I'm eating. Yeah. Interesting that you talk about fermented dairy. So for those who can't take non-fermented, you find that things like yogurt and kefir is more easily digested. Yes, definitely. Definitely. And I, I think as adults, it, uh, we lose that ability to digest unfermented dairy like well, milk mm. and cream. Mm -hmm. um, not everyone, very individual again. Yeah. And so it's better to eat fermented dairy. Like mm. from the cheese, some cheeses are fermented. Most yeah. cheeses are actually. But kefir, oh my gosh. Now I know you've yeah. done a lot of kefir, <laughs> I but love it kefir. is, oh, if there's just one, yeah. one fermented dairy that you just want to have, it's yeah. utterly brilliant. Brilliant for our gut. Oh, Brilliant Emma, for our health. That's yeah. so great. Listen, you can come back any day. Yeah. <laughs> you are totally talking my language. 
Thank you. Thank you so much. You have just shared so much and um, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here and I hope that you'll come back and we can chat again. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. And that is sadly all we have time for today. But as always, you will find details of the resources and the links that we've mentioned in today's show over on lizardwellbeing.com where you can sign up for the free newsletter on gut-friendly recipes. Yes, indeed, well-being, wisdom and menopause treats. And I will make sure that we put everything on there, including details of Emma's books, her clinics, um, and a lot of the resources that we've talked about, including maybe a link to Natto, if we can find that. Now, don't forget to hit the subscribe button on your podcast. You can do that on your app. It ensures that the next episode is downloaded safely without you even having to remember. And if you would like to, I would love it if you could find a moment to leave a review as it really does help other potential listeners to find the show and also to hopefully find the help that they may well need. So until the next time we chat, go very well. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.